Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast and a very, very special welcome to, well, a local lad. When I say local, it's probably about an hour away from where I am. Uh, Mr. Darcy O'Rourke, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, keen keen to share some thoughts with your listeners here today. No, it'd be cool. Now, for, for the listeners' benefit, Darcy, you are a financial advisor, you're also a mortgage broker, and you are the business owner of Barwon Wealth Management, specializing in sales. And uh, this, for me, this is an interesting one because I've I've not spoken to uh, anybody from the financial services industry in terms of financial um, brokerage or um, advice. So we will we will put some caveats on what we're about to talk about today. And I know you'll read something out at some stage. Yeah, I'll 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 just chuck it out there now to to get it over and done with. So I've got to let everyone know. Uh, obviously, what we're talking about is just general information only, so not personal advice. I strongly recommend that you consult with a financial advisor before making any financial or investment decisions. And I do need to let everyone know I'm an authorized representative of Lifespan Financial Planning. Their AFSL is 229892. It's all done. We're we're done. We've done done the compliance bit. So we're ready to rock. Mate, you and I have been connected on LinkedIn for a little while now, probably um, a couple of weeks. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, as I said, you're always, always open to talking to really interesting people. And you do have an interesting story, which I'd love to jump into because, as we know, this is all about sales and sales leadership. And one of the key things around being successful in sales is uh, for a lot of them, you're going, to, you're going to be making a lot of money, but it's how you manage those finances so you can build some long-term wealth, which is which is the key to, I guess, longevity and, and success. Um for most people. So before we jump into some of the key topics, love for you to give us a little bit of a background in terms of your your journey um, and what led you to create what you've now created in terms of Bowen Wealth Management. Yeah. So I started working in financial planning uh, when I was probably, I'd say I was about 20, actually. I remember I had my 21st birthday and I had uh, had some people that I worked with come along. So very early to the game. Uh, and I was still still working in the financial planning space while I was in uni, actually. So got a lot of experience, worked in some you know really great companies. And kind of towards the end of, of my initial stint in financial planning, it was right around when the Royal Commission into financial services was happening. Mm-hmm. The government was talking about all these changes to the industry. And I was kind of sitting back looking at it going, I'm um, 27, 28, maybe something like that around that point. I've been doing this my whole career, um, you know, from from uni, I've been in financial planning. Is this what, what I want to stick to doing? Didn't even know if the industry would be around in 10 years, the way they were talking about changes to to financial services. And one of the uh, kinds of clients that I really liked, that I really got along with was clients that worked in sales. Like I just found they were, you know, fun people uh, They were traveling around the country. They were going overseas. They were making good money, um, which you talked about at the start as well. So, you know, if you're making a career change, you're don't want to sort of go backwards. You generally want to want to <laughs> increase how much you're earning, right? So I was really thinking, that, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. That's that's one of the the things you're after, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm sort of sitting back, going, do I keep doing this or do I do something else? And I, I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll move into sales. And 
financial planning does have a, a decent sort of sales element to to what you're doing. Like it's all about building relationships and bringing, mm. bringing clients on and managing them. So like the account management side of it, but it is quite technical. Like you need to do a lot of paperwork and, and things like that. So I thought I'll give sales a go, jump in, jump into, you know, a, pro- a proper sales role. So I did the whole sort of SDR thing to start out, um, to, to get my foot in the door in the tech, tech sales space. And then, you know, worked my way up to account executive and, uh, did like a BDM role and another account executive role. So I worked in worked in that textile space for about three years. And one of the things I noticed is a lot of people were making really good money. Um, they were uh, like they were very money motivated and um, mm. they had really clear goals around wanting to increase their income and they were very driven people. But a lot of the time they then wouldn't actually make the most of that income. So they're working so hard, you know, grinding every day to to get this great income. And then they're making poor decisions to to use that income. So I noticed that disconnect there, and it was in the back of my mind: Do I go back into into financial planning? Do I stick stick out working in sales? And I I sort of thought, you know what? Like it's time to it's time to jump back, but specifically look after this group because there's no one in Australia that's doing it, as far as I can mm. tell. Mm. I could find a couple of people in the US, um, some interesting advisors over there that specialize in working with sales professionals, but yeah, no one in Australia. So it's a bit of a unmet market and i think there's a big need um you know like it's it's not like it's just that there isn't anyone doing it that there's a big need there so i kind of felt like i had to had to do it had to jump in and close the gap and so i love i love to delve into um a couple of things one is what was it about sales that piqued your interest that um and was it was it what you thought it was going to be or was it something completely different? Yeah. I think the main thing that that piqued my interest was not having to do all of the paperwork stuff. Like I was already doing. <laughs> I was already Other doing. Other people do that for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, the, the, the paperwork side of things, there's, there's plenty of people that can do that. Like the reality is as an advisor, generally you're looking at things quite high level. Uh, when it comes to the the nitty gritty of stuff, you can you can get someone else to do a lot of that stuff. A lot of the time, it will be grads that are doing that, right? Um, yeah. Calculating calculating you know figures and stuff. It's it's not rocket science kind of thing. Once you sort of know the basics, you can you can calculate it and then check it over. So the one of the big appeals was just dealing with people uh, more regularly instead of instead of the paperwork side of things. Um, so yeah, that that was probably a a, a big thing. Then. The next thing, so was it what I expected? Uh, I'd say it was probably a bit more monotonous in some ways than I expected, uh, especially in like the SDR role. Like you're, you know, cold, I started out cold calling dentists. So you're <laughs> calling dentists saying the exact same thing every single time. So yeah, the, mono- the monotony sort of wasn't, wasn't great. But the, one of the things I like about sales is it's it's very... You can you can build structured goals and you have a good idea of what you're going after. So mm. you can go, all right, for the next year, I'm going to have to do this annoying part of the job that I don't really want to do. But yeah. in a year from now, as long as I do that and I'm successful at it, I can then move on to the next step. So yes. that's that's the kind of thing that I had in the back of my mind that helped me get through yeah. all the monotony. <laughs> yeah. And and obviously, you, as you mentioned, you went from SDR right up to BDE and then account executive. So you obviously made some progress and it was in software sales, right? That you're in? In in software, yeah. So the first company it was um it was called Podium. So I don't know yeah. if you know it know them, they do like text messaging software kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so how many how many years then was your sales career or all up? 
Yeah, I think it was about three. So okay. I did, yeah, I did probably close to two years at Podium. Um, did a, did a, you know, uh, I think it was like five month stint at a, at a startup that didn't go too great. Um, probably wasn't the best fit on, on, on both sides of things. It was a very technical product, um, you know, yeah. good product, but it probably a bit, a uh, bit too technical for me. And then I went to a company called Creditor Watch um, for about a year. So they do uh, commercial credit reporting. So uh, having sort of the finance uh, background did help a bit there. And mm. um, yeah, that's a that's a solid product as well. Um, so there's only, I think, three or four credit bureaus, commercial yeah. credit bureaus in Australia. So yeah, they're, they're doing things a bit differently. So yeah, if anyone wants to check them out, they're an in- interesting company as well. Yeah, because as you were talking there, the interesting thing is, um, you know, in sales, we talk a lot about credibility. And in order to, and certainly from a financial services perspective um, and financial advice, having gone through and experienced, well, not me personally, but have observed the, the Royal Commission, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks. There has been a lot of question marks over a lot of different organizations and people within that organization. So uh, we talk a lot about, you know, having to establish credibility in the marketplace so that people will, will allocate you a level of, of trust and respect to want to listen to you, but then potentially do business with you. As you look back now, obviously there was a pullback to financial services and you've seen the opportunity that there was a niche that nobody's really focusing on, on sales. As you look back now, how much of the credibility you've now established based on being in sales has helped you now build Bowen Wealth Management? Yeah, I think it's a massive part of it because the the people I'm talking to every day understand that I've been through what they're going through and I understand their challenges and uh, their concerns and understand how much work they're putting into their job on a day-to-day basis. So it's a it's a huge a huge part of it. Uh, and I I wouldn't be looking after sales professionals if I didn't have that experience. So it's kind of easy. It's one of those things in life people will kind of look back on, on things and go, "Oh, like I was in financial planning and then I left to go into sales. Maybe I should have just stuck it out. Where would my financial planning business be if I had have just stuck it out?" But in reality, I'd probably be dealing with clients that are a bit more boring that I probably don't have as much fun working with um, and probably not helping as much, right? Like there'd like still dentists, be that. Right? Be dealing with dentists. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Like that's a that's one of those classic niches people want to go after. Pretty much everyone in financial planning, if they go after a niche, they want the medicos, so the doctors yeah, and the dentists. Because they're the high net, high, well, in many cases, not always, high net worth yeah. individuals, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's sort of chasing them and the, 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 the poor salespeople are left alone. There's not much love for salespeople in Australia. Well, there isn't, but as you uh, as you put on your LinkedIn post last week, I think the perception of sales is going to change, and it's it's people like us and people who are in sales that are doing it ethically that will ultimately change that perception. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a funny, um, funny post that one. I was just really thinking about this idea, and I saw one of those signs on a truck uh, without trucks Australia stops. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, in Australia. There is like a pride around being a truck driver. Not that there's anything wrong with being a truck driver, but you compare mm. that to sales. People yeah. are like, oh, sales. Sales. It's yes. a very different uh, perception, and you know why not be um, you know proud about it and sort of build up the industry, right? Well, it is, and and it might it may be true that without trucks, the stress stops because you need to get stuff from A to B. But um, when you think about every single business, every single business, it will not survive if there wasn't for sales. Yeah, exactly right. Like that trunk company had to sell their services to Coles or whoever it is that's, you know, using their services. So it wouldn't even be on the road if it wasn't for sales, right? That's it. 
that's it. So let's talk. Um, let's talk. You making the transition back from um, being a super account executive in the in the software sales realm and some startups to now coming back into what you do now um, and niching into the sales profession. What was what was one of the one of the couple? Well, one or a couple of the key um, key things that you focused on having been in sales that you noticed because you mentioned before that. There are some people that are working really hard, making great money, but they were not necessarily using that money to good effect. Was there one or two things that you discovered by being within the sales industry that you thought, you know what, there's a real opportunity here that if I can position myself in a way, I can sort of differentiate against because nobody else is really doing it in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think one one thing that, well, a few things that sales professionals sort of learn in their role really help really help when it comes to growing your wealth Sa- sales I-, I feel like when you think about sales it can be equated to a lot of things like success in sales can be similar to success in sport or fitness right you- you've got your process that you follow uh, there's certain things you need to do to be successful the same kind of thing happens with building a wealth so I think sales people are sort of uniquely positioned that they're very uh structured in the way the, the successful people have a lot of structure in the way they do things so bringing that structure into managing your finances is a really um sort of unique strong point that that sales people have if they like if they're ready to make this change hmm. so having having structure around everything is is critical to, to being successful so for, for example uh one of the things that i like to do is to automate investments so if you're in sales, you've probably got no trouble paying your bills, right? You probably get all your bills, you pay them, and then you'll probably spend a lot of the other, the money left over on, you know, whatever. <laughs> we talked about some things, maybe cars, what have you. Might have bought, might buy a nice watch, might go out to a fancy dinner kind of thing, right? Yeah. So if we just add in another bill uh, to your overall expenses, an investment bill, let's say you're making 10 grand a month and we invest $1,500 a month and that sort of goes on top of your other bills and the rest you just spend how you want. Building that automatic investment in there is a really good way salespeople can get into the market and actually start investing and mm-hmm. basically have very little impact on their day-to-day life and how they manage things because it's just happening without really thinking about it. It's just happening like all of your other bills. Um, so that's sort of one starting point that, that I like for salespeople because um, when they've got that structure there, I think they they work really well with that. Mm-hmm. And so before before we talk about some of the, the key strategies that you potentially use, and again, reminder, this is not um, specific advice. It's just we're just talking about concepts here. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, the key mistakes, if you like, or uh, the areas that salespeople don't focus on that you think they should and, and therefore the opportunities that potentially they're missing? Yeah. So what, what, I, what I've found working with, a range of different people is they kind of fall into different categories. Like not every sales professional is making the the same mistakes with their finances, which I think is to, is to be expected. So I kind of like to uh, kind of like to categorize people into three different buckets. Like not that everyone, you know, fits into these, these same things, but it's probably something that a lot of people could identify with. So I feel like the typical one we've kind of touched on this is the spender, like the person that's making a lot of money and they're, they're spending most of it and they're not getting ahead. Um, so the mistakes with that kind of person would be, first of all, they need, they, need, they need to manage their cash flow better. And an easy way to do that is by automating that investing. So it's happening without them stressing about it too much. Um, so they need to have that in place. 
also structure around their other bank accounts because they need to meet their other expenses. So yeah. I think having some structure around those other accounts. Uh, so what I mean by that is you might have a bank account for your household expenses. You know that your monthly mortgage is $3,000. You put $3,000 in there as well as $700 for your electricity and gas or whatever, right? And then you have another account for your groceries and you just use that account when you're going to buy groceries. So that's sort of the kinds of mistakes they're making is not having that structure around cash flow. Then we can sort of work on other stuff from there. Um, but then you've got like another category, which I like to call the coaster. So that's sort of someone that is coasting along, like they've probably bought a house. They've probably done a, a couple of good things with their finances, but they're not really taking the right steps to grow their wealth long-term. So for someone like that, I'd say the mistake they're making is they haven't really thought through their goals properly. So they should really focus on developing some some goals around sort of bigger picture, longer term things. Like when do they want to retire? They might want to retire at you know, 60 instead of 67, which a lot of people are retiring at in Australia. And they might want to send their kids to private school that haven't had kids yet. Let's plan around that. So um, I'd say that person who's just sort of coast, coasting along, um, not that they, it's just a good word to describe it. Like not saying you're not working hard, but like it's just the word that I've come up with to try to categorize um, this sort of group of people. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say build build out some goals and really think about what you're wanting to do uh, longer term. And then the, um, the other category of people in, in sales I like to call the sprinter. So that's the someone sprinter. who's the sprinter. That's someone who's gone like a hundred percent. All right, I'm making good money. Let's buy some investment properties. Let's buy some crypto. Let's buy all these shares. And they're kind of looking at it going, well, what have I done? I've got myself into a bit of a pickle here. Right? I've got all of these expenses. Um, so I'd say for that person, they probably need to take a step back and reevaluate things and probably do the same thing as the the person in that coaster position, uh, which is evaluate their goals. Like that you might um you might want to retire at 50 and you might want to have a house fully paid off that's 10 kilometers from the CBD or something, right? Whatever your goals are. And you look at your investments that you're really struggling to keep up with and you might end up with $15 million and you only need seven. So <laughs> they've probably gone too hard, right? So I'd say that group of people that have gone really, really hard and they're kind of going, I'm a bit underwater here, actually yeah. take a step back. You might be going too hard. You might not need to be doing all of that. Um, so a lot of it ties into goals. I think that that's something that a lot of people in sales just don't really think through when it comes to their wealth. Um, they'll think about it when it comes to sales. You know, I want to get promoted at this time. This is what I need to do. Or I want to um, make you know X X dollars of sales. This is how many uh, calls I need to make. This is how much whatever I need to do. Right. So um, yeah, goal, I think a lot of it comes back to goals. Really building them out. It's interesting you say that because these these whether they're a coaster or a sprinter or somebody just starting out, they're taught in sales to set goals and set big goals. Right. And sometimes those goals might be set by the company by their sales leader in turn in form of a sales target. So that's that's the goal. But very good at in terms of this is what I want to achieve, but not necessarily then extending that into, okay, how do I apply the same methodology to all the other parts of my life, one being finance, one being health, fitness, and stuff like that? Because yeah. I've seen a lot of salespeople over my career burn themselves out because they're just working so hard because they thought success equaled hitting the sales target or being the number one, number one salesperson. Not realizing, of course, that yes, you hit that, but guess what? The day after the end of the financial year, you're back at zero and you're back yeah. at the same as everybody because you're only as good as your next sale. Um, but if you, <laughs> if you don't have a good structure in place, if you don't have a vision of where you're heading, it's it's sense and can, can sometimes be like 
a chicken running around with its head cut off. Yeah. And and we see a lot of burnout in sales. Like it's very obviously very common for people to to change jobs and kind of use that as that little refresher and kind of a reset. And a lot of people will do that and think, all right, I'm in this new company. It's going to be all all great now. Um, but if you haven't addressed the other areas like you're talking about, like the um, you know, the finance, but also the the fitness side of things, like that's something for me that's that really dropped off last year that I'm getting getting back on top of. Um if you're earning good money, but you feel terrible, <laughs> you know, it's not a not a great life, right? Well, it's not, but then you can justify it by saying, hey, I'm really comfortable. It's uh I don't really have to do that because I'm everything's taken care of. I can just sort of yeah. put all the money on the bed and just sort of <laughs> yeah. very comfortable, yeah, the money bed, yeah. <laughs> now what about what about the guys out there who because sales can be a very seasonal, very up and down uh, kind of profession. There are there are there are some days where you're riding the crest of the wave, and then there are other days and other weeks and other months where it's like famine. So it can be yeah, feast and famine. What about the guys out there that are in a in a sales role that their income is inconsistent, right? So yeah, how, how do we how do we deal with that in terms of it's hard. I mean, you can set goals, but from a structural point of view for committing X number of dollars per month for, for all these, putting it in the different buckets. What do you say to people who are in a, in an industry or in a sales role where it's quite seasonal in terms of their, their commissions. And they might be, some of them might be on commission only. Some of them might be on, yeah. you know, low base, high commission, but it's, it's quite spiky. So you might have some months where they're fantastic and then other months you might have nothing at all. So um, how do we, how do we get around that? How do we deal with that? Yeah, so I'd say the easiest way to deal with that is then is is going back to that bank account structure and doing it a little bit differently. So having let's say you only get paid like once a year, we'll take it to the extreme, right? You earn um, two hundred grand a year and you get paid once a year, kind of thing, right? Take, taking it all, all to that point. So what I would uh, say the best way to do to to handle that would be to have a bank account for your income to go into for that that one payment you get a year, and then pay yourself a monthly or a fortnightly payment from that account so you can have that consistency uh, with your income. So yeah. spread it out instead of having it all come in in one chunk because what that will do, if you have it all come in in one chunk, you'll probably end up spending it in ways that you don't want to. Like when you get, if you were to get a $200,000 transfer into your bank account, that would be a lot easier to blow it all on, on things you don't want to spend it on than if you uh, split that across 12 payments across yeah. a year, for example. So to manage that, I would say have a bank account for that inconsistent in- income to go into and then spread it out. So you could apply the same thing if you get paid quarterly or however often you get paid or if you might have um, an inconsistency where you'll have a, a smaller payment that will come through one month and then a large payment that will come through in the middle of the year, whatever it may be, is work your way back, look at on average what you'd be making and then, uh, then pay yourself a more consistent amount to help it, yeah. help help you make it easier to manage it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Makes sense because yeah. there are there are a lot of people that are in that sort of situation, and particularly commission only type um, yeah people type roles. So they might have and the, and the, particularly when you think of things like COVID, right? How it affected a lot of people. Um, there's no there's no real consistency of of income or cash flow. So. Be able to be able to plan that accordingly is really important, which comes back to goal setting as well, right? So knowing what the end goal is and and knowing, I guess, what your thresholds are as well. What's 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 tolerable, and yeah. what's your I guess best case scenario? Yeah, yeah. I think building in some uh, some some variance in there. So if you sort of look at it and you go, I made 
I made, you know, 150 last year. I'm going to make 150 this year. It probably isn't the best way of doing it. Uh, maybe go, I made 150 last year. I might make between 120 and 180, for example. Yeah. 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 Cool. So um, just a little question popped in my head. What What are your thoughts and what sort of conversations are you having with the, the stuff that's happening in the media right now around stage three tax cuts? Because that, that will affect a lot of, uh, a lot of salespeople this year in yeah. particular. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if this would come up in our conversation because it is pretty topical. Um, I actually did a post. It was probably a week ago. Uh, Albanese was in the media saying, we're not changing stage three tax cuts. They're, they're going to stay as they are. We promised this going into the election. No one needs to worry. So I po posted this video going, this is the stage three tax cuts. Here are some examples of uh, the impact it will have on how much you bring home kind of thing. And then just yesterday, I think it was, they've, they've now turned around and gone, you know what? We're uh, we're changing it. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's a bit early to sort of say because I don't think it's it's um a hundred percent set in stone. But from the looks of it, basically what what they were planning on doing was simplifying the tax system and adjusting it to uh, increase with inflation a bit. So basically, they were going to remove one of the middle brackets uh, to simplify it mm. and uh, push out the top bracket a little bit as well as decreasing the rates. So what that would mean is if you're a, a middle to high income earner, you would be saving a, a decent amount of tax and the the lower income earners weren't really saving much. So basically what they're talking about now is shifting it where the, the lower to middle income earners are getting a bigger saving uh, than they were planned to have. And higher income earners, people above $150,000, between so $150,000 to $200,000, their yep. benefit I think is roughly halved depending on on who you are. Uh, so yeah, it's a bit, a bit early to say exactly what's going to happen, but it looks like that's, that's where it's heading. Um, I mean, for me, I, I don't think, you know, I don't know how political I can get on this, on this podcast. <laughs> well, but, I'll put it this way. I'm not sure Albanese would be plugging into this particular podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way that I look at it is labor's philosophy is to generally give more benefits to your low and your middle income earners, right? Yeah. That hasn't changed between now and the election. So when they were going into the election, why did they not change the policy or why did they not tell people this is what we're going to do? They said, we're not going to change stage three tax cuts. Vote for us. We're not going to change them. Cool. People vote for you and then you change it. Like I, I feel like there almost needs to be a, a change in politics where if they have an election promise, they shouldn't be able to break it. Like uh, stuff outside of that, I understand there needs to be discretion and stuff. But there needs when to you be a higher power that holds them to account. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because you know you can you can basically just say I'll do anything, get voted in, and go. Oh, not doing it anymore. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's it's not yeah people that are you know working hard earning earning above that you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Generally, people that are earning earning above that are working very hard and they're they're paying a, a lot of tax already. Um, the whole purpose of these stage three tax cuts was to finally address that higher income. Uh, earner, the stage one and stage two tax cuts were addressing the lower middle income earners. So it was kind of time for the, the higher income earners to get their turn. Um, yeah. And it looks like it isn't really going to be as beneficial as initially planned. But yeah, I guess what 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 can you do? You've just got to deal with it, right? Well, the thing is, and we say this a lot in sales, that um, you know, you've got to focus on the stuff you got control over and yeah. not put too much mental energy to the stuff you don't, right? Because it'll be what it is. It yeah. is what it is. So um, well, my, my own take on all this is you can get so caught up in what the government's doing or not doing you can agree with agree with them or disagree 
at the end of the day, it's not going to impact the way that you go about what you do. And if you're if you're thinking, oh my God, we're not going to get we're we're not going to get a tax benefit now. I'm, I'm going to shut up shop. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, that's just flawed thinking, right? So it's just despite what's going on. And I remember one of my earliest mentors who's a podcaster in the States, he said, you know what, through every through every United States president, I've made more money than the previous one. Yeah. And yet there are people within America in particular, no doubt there'll be people in Australia that blame the government for their predicament that they find themselves in, where in actual fact we are responsible for our own actions and ultimately we're responsible for our own results, right? Now, whatever the government does or doesn't do in relation to tax, that's just, you just got no control over that. So focus on what you do control. You can control your actions. You control the decisions you make. You can control where you allocate your funds to build wealth or not, right? You can go and piss it up against a wall and go to the go to the casino and think, you know, I'll double, double, my, uh, double my money. In fact, one of my mates in in Las Vegas just posted something on LinkedIn to say a client of hers came to her yesterday and said, "Oh, I've just lost a million dollars." Because Jesus, like, and he's obviously a very wealthy dude. He lost a million bucks in in um, in Las Vegas. Yeah, but um, you know what? Focus on what you've got control over is is the key message. Um, yeah. Which means speaking to people like you, um, who've got the I guess the financial background and the structure that can provide advice, and this again is just general advice. Um, you talk to the professionals because when you when you want to when you want to get better at anything, you go and talk to people who are experts in that field, right? And you listen to them. As long as that, and this is another sales lesson, as long as those people have credibility and they can build trust, right? And that's that's the key thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I I think about other areas of my life and how much experts have helped me. One of the things I've, I've stopped doing it now because um, of the because of the brain damage. <laughs> Um, but I used to do do some boxing, and I'd been I'd been boxing for like off and on for probably three or four years, something like that. And I'd never done PTs, yeah. and I started doing PTs with, with this. His, his name's Greg Bell down in Geelong. is a really good boxing coach. If anyone for, I don't think there'll be many people in Geelong that are listening that are looking for a boxing coach. But if you are, you never go know. And see, go and see Greg Bell. He's he's really good. Um, yeah, going going through PTs with him and understanding the little things that I was doing wrong was amazing. Like I did it for about a year and you don't, you don't know what you're messing up. Like you think you, you think what you're doing is, is all good, but there'll be these little things that you don't even notice and they'll get tweaked and then you'll change that thing. And then another problem will come into play because you change how you're standing, which means you change how you throw this punch and then you have to change that. And it all sort of ties together. So yeah, I really like the, uh, the the way that sales translates into fitness translates into wealth like it all sort of ties together yeah. um the way that you improve these things it is as you were talking there I'm, I'm thinking back to the last when i was playing golf and i used to be a self-confessed golf addict but having said that i haven't played since december the 10th 2008 so oh wow if i don't, if I don't play this year it'll be 16 years in december um what, what, why'd but- you quit Oh, I moved. We moved. We moved up to New Gisborne and bought two and a half acres. And it's just one thing. Insert excuse here. I just <laughs> yeah. around to. I used to play every week. Um, yeah. You know, I had kids. Kids got kids got grown up and got up here, and I just haven't gone back to it. Yeah. But having said that, I was watching the Netflix show um, Full Swing, and it's the following the PGA Tour. And yeah. I said to my wife, you know what? I forgot how much I love golf. And she goes, well, go and bloody play golf. Yeah. 
but I haven't done it yet because I've been other other things as being priority. Um, and there was a point to that story, and I've got no idea what that point was. But I, <laughs> oh, here it was. Here it was. Yeah. I was actually talking about that technique and how Mr. Bell was actually getting you to to stand in a certain way. I I always had trouble getting out of bunkers, right? And then I had mm. some golf lessons, and just through one golf lesson, I could start getting my bunker shots. Um, pretty much within you know a couple of feet of the hole, which on yeah, a consistent wow. basis, which was which was fantastic. Do you remember what the change was? Just little things like grip, um, swing, focus on a certain port, port, just be behind the ball, um, sweeping through rather than just to chop it out. Um, Mm -hmm. Just really simple techniques. But the the key message I got from that was if you listen to an expert who has runs on the board, who has credibility, and they're there to help you get better, Mm -hmm. then listen to them. Yeah. And you've got to you've got to get really clear on who you surround yourself with and who you take advice from. Yeah, definitely. Be charlatans out there that yeah. are going to want to take advantage. And this is this is where a lot of people have the fixation on sales. I think, oh, a salesperson wants to feather their own nest at my expense. Well, no, that's not the case because the vast majority of good salespeople are there to actually help you solve a problem. And if they can yeah. do that, then you're going to build a level of trust. Now. If they can do that on a consistent basis, then you've got credibility over a long period of time. And the same yeah. would be, same would be said with what you do on a um on a on a I guess advice basis uh, with working with sales team. Which brings us to um you have a program known as the Wealth Three Sales. Now, without giving away the details, just are there some key points that salespeople listening to this right now are sales leaders who um haven't got a financial planner, haven't thought about a financial planner, but I've been thinking about well, what I'm making a good chunk of coin, right? Um, what is what are some things they can think about to start putting in place to at least start the building blocks of some long-term wealth for them? Yeah, so there's three three core elements to the wealth through sales program. And in each of those elements, obviously, there's different steps that we go through. So the first one is having a, a process. So uh, what I mean by that is having a, a way to get money from uh, your bank account where you're earning your money into to actually invest it. So I've kind of touched on that at a high level. So yeah. having that, that structure around your bank accounts, I'd say anyone that doesn't have that, just just get on it. Like it's a pretty simple process to go through and will make your life so much easier. So having structure around your bank accounts, different bank accounts for different categories of expenses. Yeah. That way you can choose how much you want to spend for each category. Uh, so it's not about limiting yourself. You might say, I want to spend um, $1,000 a week eating out and going to restaurants. Cool. Just have the money sitting there for it. Then you don't have to overthink it, right? So have that structure. Um, and then obviously have a portion that will be invested. So automating a portion of your income to go to investments. So having that 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 process there. Then the next part is where you're actually investing. Uh, so you want to have a, a strategy around what to invest in. So when you're investing, uh, the easiest places to to get started generally, the, the sort of easiest uh, way to get into it would be through like a micro-investing platform. Um, for most people listening to this, this that's probably a little bit too sort of basic. That's if you're like wanting to put you know, $50 a, a month into it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the next sort of step up from that would be an exchange-traded fund or a managed fund. Yeah. Uh, so you can people can sort of jump online and do do their own research into it. Um, obviously, I'd recommend they speak to an advisor, but you know you can find this stuff out yourself as well. Yeah. Uh, so that that's probably the easiest point of call when it comes to to investing. 
Uh, and you can look at things like investment properties and, and things like that as well. Uh, but part of what we do when we when we go sort of deeper into this with clients is look at things like using debt where possible to to get ahead and making sure it's tax effective as well, um, yep. which is probably a bit too high level to go into in, in this. Um, but then the final part is having a backup plan. So th- things obviously go wrong in, in life and in sales. So the easiest sort of two things to, to quickly check off with the backup plan would be building an emergency fund. Typically, mm-hmm. the, the recommended amount to have would be three to six months of living expenses there. Yeah. Um, if you're sort of a bit, um, if you're happy to take a bit more risk, you could sort of stick with that, that three months and then put the rest of your money into investments kind of thing. Uh, but then another part to backup plan is having your personal insurances. This is probably one of the biggest ones that I would say people in sales uh, haven't really done, especially in Australia. So with your superannuation, you might have a little bit of insurance, but I'd recommend just getting a good understanding of what insurance you have and if you need more, getting more. Because yeah. um, if you if you uh, have a like a, a car, let's say you've got like a I don't know new um, Golf or something, it's probably. I don't know, forty, fifty thousand dollars for a new golf. I haven't looked at golf prices lately, so I might be a bit off there. But that that's sort of a rough, rough idea, right? Um, then let's say you've got, so you probably have insurance for that. Like if you've got a new car, you probably have insurance for it. If if you with your income, you probably don't have insurance against your income. So most people need their income to pay their bills and live, right? That's why we're working, and that's why we're in sales is to make an income. Most people don't have insurance against that. Yeah. So let's say you earn 200 grand a year and you've got 30 years left to work. That's $6 million of income you're going to earn over that time frame, assuming the income stays consistent, right? Yeah. Most people don't have insurance against that. Yeah. So you, you can get insurance against your income. So if you get sick or injured and you can't work, this insurance policy will pay you an income. And um, you know, pe- people underestimate how uh, likely bad things are to happen to them. Um, like I'm sure you, everyone knows people that have got sick and or injured and can't work. Like for myself, mm. last year I had about a month I couldn't work because I got really sick. So, you know, this this stuff happens. Um, so yeah, I'd say get on get on top of your insurances. So understand what you've got, um, what you've got in place. Do you need to increase it? Uh, obviously, people can talk to me if they want if they want help with it. Uh, but I'd say that's another key part. So yeah, the the high level um, overview of the wealth through sales model is having that process to start investing having the strategy of where you're going to invest to, to get the most out of it, and then having a backup plan for when things go wrong. So this can basically be applied um, to, to all people in sales. They can do it themselves, um, or if they want yeah, more help, they can reach out to me or, or another advisor, like another advisor will have their own way of doing things. Um, mm. But yeah, obviously what I do is tailored for salespeople. It's um, it's great. Uh, it's a great reminder because I was, I was moving back when I first entered the workforce back in the day. And um my old man said, get your superannuation sorted out, your own super, and start contributing yep. to it and make sure there's income protection insurance, right? And I've never not had income protection, right? That's even, great, yeah. Even as a uh, as a facilitator, coach, mentor, sales person now, um, still have income protection. Yeah. Um, so it's um, it's a, it's an absolute must. It's um, as often people don't, because part of this is financial literacy and my own experience dealing with salespeople with with a lot in the last you know 10 20 years they might be very uh, uh knowledgeable in all things sales their products but it's amazing how it's a generalization i know how illiterate they are 
on things like insurances. Like some some of my people, and I never provided financial advice, but sometimes yeah. you'd be having those conversations as a sales leader and saying, well, who, who have you got your income protection through? And they said, well, what's that, right? Just little things like that. Yeah. Um, total and total uh, permanent disability or you know life insurance or wh- whatever the insurance happens to be yeah. and yet as you said they'll they'll make sure that they make their car insurance an absolute priority well that's great yeah but what's the number one asset right because if you're not here you can't make any cash flow that's yeah right. exactly right so look exactly after yourself right. first look after yeah. yourself first yeah. um it's just it's an absolute must now with all of that it's um and you don't have to start. You don't have to start big, right? Because a lot of people might look at all this and say, "Oh, that's just too much. It's it's too. I'll just, it's easy if I just I'll, I'll continue what I'm doing and I'll, I'll look at it in six months' time, right?" The key thing, and I love your take on this, when it comes to building wealth, and a lot of people in sales think, you know what, I'm going to make a lot of money this year, and that's fantastic. So it's the instant gratification, and unfortunately, a lot of salespeople live in the world of instant gratification, yeah. and it's almost conditioning from their sales leaders. You got to get your target, got to get your target, and we're going to throw all these incentives at you. Um, when it comes to building wealth, it's not overnight; it's the little things. So, as you said, even if you put 150 bucks a month away and it's on autopilot, yeah. it compounds over time. So, um, as we kind of bring this to a to a close, some key thoughts around uh, timing in, in terms of time, because. I know as a reputable financial advisor, you wouldn't be saying, hey, we're going to throw all this money in here and within the next 12 months, we're going to deliver a 25% return. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's just, it's it's not realistic, right? So yeah. for people listening to this who are thinking, you know what, that sounds like a lot of work. Uh, what would you say to those kind of people to, to get, not so much put them at ease, but just give them reality in terms of what we're doing here? Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to just investing a small, small sort of, um, automated amount like that, that's really not going to have much of an impact on on your day-to-day life, right? So you can just get started and not stress about it too much. So to, to get the sort of basics uh, happening like that, yeah, I feel like you're kidding yourself if you're kind of using the excuse of it's going to be too hard. <laughs> now, if you want to get on top of absolutely everything and get things sort of, you know, um, completely structured in, in the best way to set you up for your, for your long term, there will be a bit of work in it. Um, there's no denying that. Like, um, it's not just going to be a, a half hour meeting and, and everything's all sorted. It is going to take a bit of time. But I think people would be surprised at how simple it is once you actually learn about what you need to get right and how little impact it will actually have on your day to day life once everything's all set up properly. Mm. Uh, so I'd say think about it uh, as more of a a bit of a short-term pain getting on top of all this stuff properly to get it all done properly. It might take you um, six months of or six to 12 months of allocating an hour a month, right? Like it's not a lot of time, uh, but you can, you can set this time aside, get on top of all this stuff. And then you really only need sort of periodically, periodically reviewing it is really all you need. Unless there's some big changes, like you get an inheritance or something like that, that might change um, the way that we're working towards your goals. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a short-term short-term pain for a long-term gain, but I also consider what will happen if you don't get on top of this stuff. Like if you if you keep trucking along the way that you are, what will your life look like in twenty years' time when you want to retire? Yeah, can can you retire how you want to? Yeah. And will you sort of look back and go, oh, I should have just should have done it? Like what? That's one of the biggest things that I I find when I 
um, when I would deal with sort of um, generally the sales professionals that I'm getting at the moment are, are sort of younger um, yeah. in their thirties kind of thing or twenties. When I was dealing with your, your people, your traditional financial planning clients are people that are really close to retirement. You would always get people that would say, thank you so much. What, what you've done is great, but I just wish I did this 20 years ago. Yeah. Because they realize that they missed out on a massive benefit by not getting on top of it. And you're going you're gonna to have to get on top of it one day or another. You may as well do it sooner rather than later so you get the most benefit. Absolutely. It's like, it's like that um, that Chinese proverb, the best time to plant a Chinese bamboo tree was probably probably 20 years ago, but the next best time is right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so with that, Darcy, uh, people listening to this who want to know a little bit more about you, what you do, where's, where's the best place for them to connect and learn a bit more about Barwon Wealth Management? Yeah, so anyone can add me on, on LinkedIn. So Darcy O'Rourke on, on LinkedIn. Uh, if you want to get a bit of a deeper understanding of the wealth through sales model and um, get some more sort of technical free information, I have a training session on that. So you can go to uh, barwonfinance.com.au forward slash free training. Uh, and another thing I wanted to just extend like an offer to your audience for any sales leaders, if you've got a team that you think could benefit from this kind of information and you'd like to like to have a bit of like a lunch and learn, um, yeah. a session where I run through this this kind of stuff. Uh, anyone is welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn and, and we can tee one of those up uh, at yeah. no cost to you. Yeah. Um, so we could do that either on on Zoom or we could do it in person if you're in in Melbourne or, or the Geelong region. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I recommend people do that and I'll put those details in the in the show notes. So um so before we wrap up, is there any last uh, piece of piece of advice that is is top of mind that you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah, I'd say just get started with investing. Like a a, a five percent return isn't as good as a seven percent return, but a five percent return is better than nothing. So <laughs> don't overthink it. Get started. <laughs> so you're saying don't put your money under your mattress? <laughs> yeah, I can't recommend that. <laughs> It's amazing how many times we've uh, we've seen you know older people and you go and clean up their house and there's all these there's all these bloody notes yeah. under the, the disket tin with a oh the stack of I money. just don't I don't trust banks uh, yeah <laughs> Darcy absolute pleasure having you on the podcast that was very um uh very enlightening and uh, yeah, I'm sure that people listening to this whether they be sales people or sales leaders who haven't gone down this path at least they've given that gives you've given them something to think about um and the great news is well it i'd like to think that it's not too late to start because as you said you know even if you're starting at 55 and you haven't really done anything up until now you've still got some runway yeah uh, than than if you don't do nothing so do something and um whether it's with you or with somebody else or with themselves just take some responsibility and move forward because um your future self is going to be very, very grateful for it. Exactly. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having me on again, Derek. No worries, mate. Thanks. And have a, uh, have a fabulous day. You too. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it, but also if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.